Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. Welcome to this week's uh, Painting of the Week. And, um, well, I suppose they're always good, aren't they? But I hope. But this is a really interesting painting called... The English is often translated... It's often translated in English to the promenades of Euclid um, in French because René Magritte spoke French, Les promenades d'Euclid. I guess you could translate that as the walks of Euclid. I have seen it also called Euclid's walk. Um, if you go to our website, as ever, seventh-art.com and bring up the painting, or if you're watching this on YouTube, you've got the painting in front of you. Um, then you'll see what Laura and I are about to talk about. Um, I, well, what do you, okay, let's have a look at the picture. Laura, what do you think of the promenades of Euclid? And we'll talk about Euclid and, and who Magritte is and where this is depicting in a second, but first impressions of the painting. Oh, oh Phil. <laughs> this week, I feel like I've fallen into... So a complete unknown territory here, and I need someone to pick me out and, and scatter me back into the into the <laughs> land of the living. Because I'm really, I often think of us two standing in an actual, like into an, in a museum. And if anyone actually listened to our conversations about these paintings, would they tut? They would. I think they would at me. But let, when I looked at it first of all, I was like, oh, okay. Um, in actual fact, I didn't even look that closely because initially, I don't know if anyone else does this. I'm sure they do. You just think, oh, there's two towers. Yeah. Do you do that? Do you uh, do that? Yeah, yeah. OK, then obviously I'm like, OK, well, where's Euclid? I don't know where Euclid is. Yeah. Did you do that? No, obviously not. So I'm just like, OK, where's Euclid? I don't know where that is. Interesting. And then, of course, then I'm in the land of the <laughs> ancient Greek mathematician... And, and I was just like, oh, okay. I really don't know where, whether I even went to school. <laughs> <laughs> I was starting to despair. <laughs> so, initially... Which is probably not Magritte's... I don't think Magritte is trying to make you feel, anyone feel foolish. No, actually, after I've read a, thing of, a, a bit about him, I think, um, you know, I often say this, I think we'd quite get on. Yeah. Because uh, he, he, he'd think, oh, well, Laura's not going to make much of this one. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, this is, this okay. is good. This so let's is something. Just, let's just say a little bit about Magritte. Yes. So for people who don't know Magritte, mm. you might well know some of his pictures. So famous picture of the bowler hat. Mm-hmm. Um, it is said that Apple's logo is based on a painting by Magritte of an apple. Oh, um, so I didn't know that. If you look at, if you look, if you go online and look at Magritte's images, there probably will be some... That you recognise. Yeah. No, um, I did know the bowl I did know the bowler hat. And I of course, we're sitting in your living room where <laughs> you have a picture on the wall of two men in bowler hats. Yeah, the Thompson so, twins. The Thompson yeah. twins. So, you know, maybe there's a... Mm, something. And Tintin. Yeah. Is Belgian, right? Yes. So, you know, this could be some... So, anyway, René Magritte is... Uh, he was a Belgian artist... 
and um, 1898, 1967. Mm-hmm. So he's only been dead 33, what's that? Anyway, under yeah. 60 years. Um, <laughs> it's a whole day. <laughs> and he's one of these people that is he's provocative, he's funny, uh, he's probably been highly influential on, say, advertising images. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. This particular picture... Now, this was suggested for us to talk about. I didn't know it. And I did exactly the same thing. When I looked at it, I thought, oh, two, two, it's a double-towered... Oh, I feel so much better now. Yeah, no, I mean, you do. Now, okay, good. Now, of course, you know that the, the, the cone on the right is a road. Yes. Then it, it seems, well, how could I have mistaken that for a tower? But actually, the first time I looked at it, I thought, he's looking out of the window at two towers of a castle uh, and... Um, Knowing he's Belgian, I just kind of made the assumption that he lived in Brussels. Um, and this is a, you know... But, of course, the thing with him is what he's constantly challenging you with is what is reality and what is not reality. So another famous painting of his is of a pipe. Oh, yes. And it's a fine rendition of a pipe, but underneath it he's written in French, this is not a pipe. Mm-hmm. And when somebody challenged him on that and said, well, it is a pipe, he said, well, try stuffing it full of tobacco then. This, this is it. This is where I am now. So my head's all over the place. Well, he's just, he's, just asked, he's just challenging you to think about what is real and what's not real. Now, he's called a surrealist. Mm. And now for me, surrealism, I often associate with people like Dali and, you know, Melting Clocks and yeah. some of the films they do, where, which are often renditions of dreams or dreamlike. Um, I mean, there is a sense, of course, in which uh, Magritte is a surrealist and that these are not, they're not real. They're not trying to depict reality. But I don't think he was actually trying to depict his dreams either. I think he's playing. He's having fun. He's playing with what is and what isn't. So if we just take a closer look at this particular picture... If you if you have a look at it, we're in a room. There's no room furniture. It's just curtains, heavy curtains, and an easel. And even the easel is strange because you've only got really got the bottom part of the easel. You can't see the rest of it, mm-hmm. except the very top. Um, actually, maybe that is. The easels at a slight angle to the to the back wall which I don't think is reflected in the, the bottom line of the painting. But anyway, the point being, if you, look at the, if you look carefully, of course, what you actually have there is a painting of a scene in front of what looks like the actual scene. So mm-hmm. the roofs match um, and the horizon matches. Now, what we don't know is behind that painting, behind that canvas, is it exactly that? Or has he made that up? Exactly. We can't tell. I mean, there could be the window cleaner behind there (laughs) with his head. His Diet Coke. (laughs) Other soft drinks are available. (laughs) I mean, the likelihood is that the houses are are, are, are right. I mean, I would imagine. Mm. So the question would be whether there's actually a tower behind there or not, or whether there's actually a road like that or not. Uh, If he was actually, what he's saying to you is if he was actually depicting that scene we well, wouldn't have the canvas in front of it because you'd have to keep peering round to see to see the scene so 
the likelihood is that he's, if we're to imagine a painter actually painting this, the likelihood is that he's he's just following the lines of the horizon, following the lines of the houses, and putting in whatever he likes. And he's painting two cones. Now, in the road, which is a very odd road, mm, because it is odd. there's nothing there. There's no traffic, except for two people. But there's no traffic, there's no... Um, pavements i mean there's nothing it's just absolute mirror of the uh, of the cone except that the shadow on the side of the left hand castle cone turret is on the right hand side and on the road side the shadows on the left so the, you know you're also confused by that because that doesn't make any sense either so does he want us to be confused to start with then yeah he's initially to... he wants everyone to think there are two towers i think so until Okay. I think so. And then he's got two people walking. Mm. So, Euclid. Yeah. And again, he's just mucking about, really. But Euclid is known as the, the father of geometry. He lived in Alexandria in, what, the 3rd century BC. So a little bit before the Romans have arrived. So part of part of ancient Egypt at yeah. this point. Um, so the father of geometry, flat surfaces. Father of geometry, father of mathematics. Mm. I don't know it well enough to to know exactly the details, but it's said that you know all mathematics and geometry is influenced by him subsequently. Mm. So maybe he's having. So maybe the suggestion is he's having a walk with somebody. Maybe that's supposed to be him walking down. And if there's geometry here, then there's there's obviously the triangle. There's the circle. There are rectangles, there are squares. But do you think it also is that the outside the window would be three-dimensional? So the flat surface then of the painting, is that where he's, he's then saying, OK, this is where Euclid comes in? Yeah, so maybe... Because you, you, I went a little bit further with that, uh, with, with um, <laughs> Euclidean geometry... And then I got to stuff I couldn't understand. I thought, oh, this is good, because Phil's going to know this. The cone of vision or something. And I've got all this stuff about lines and 60 degrees and stuff. I was like, oh, I don't think I know this. But I assumed you might know because of photography and filming. Well, that's quite interesting, because I hadn't made that connection. But if you examine the eye, then there is a cone of vision. Um if you look at a cross-section of how an eye works, it'll, it, it probably is that kind of cone-shaped, although on a horizontal. Maybe he's making reference to that. Um, I mean, the person that's walking with Euclid is presumably him. Right. And the suggestion, perhaps, is that he is... If you, you know, the more you look at this picture, the more you realise it, it's just a, uh, a montage. No, that's not quite the right word, but it's a, it's a selection of angles and shapes and curves and straight lines and yeah and the, you know the geometry is within the picture i never even thought the two of them would would be in that them two walking no not in a million years did i think that well so there we are and i mean i don't know he might just have done that for scale in fact mm. actually the scale isn't right because no to be honest those two individuals look to me like they're like eight foot tall if if here we go. Um, so <laughs> man in a boat. <laughs> so I wonder why he's even put them there at all, really. 
Man in the Boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was our Mary Cassatt one, wasn't it? What was that one we did? We kept on seeing Aladdin and stuff like that in the oh, boat. Yeah, what was that? I thought was that, that was... Wasn't it Manny? No, I thought that was... Was uh, it Mary Cassatt? I, I thought so. Yeah. Oh, no, don't, come on, let's... Can't remember. Um, but anyway, yeah. We, were... we just had our first screening of the Mary Cassatt film. And how did that go? Sold out. Oh, it was great. It was really good. Yeah, it was very well received. Oh, good. Um, Lovely. Well, that was a <laughs> that was handy. <laughs> I'm sure we did. I'm sure we got stuck on her painting, and we were there's people in there that we didn't see. But this is another one now. People would. I just didn't even think that he would actually be in in here. But anyway, I mean, he. It's a very interesting character, and if, if if I were to make a film about Magritte and there's no plans to do so, then you'd have to look into his background. And it is said that the fact that his mother killed herself mm. affected him deeply, understandably. Oh, yeah. Um, and that ref- that emerged in his paintings during his life. And they were saying the rumours being that, as she, because she drowned herself in a river... And as she came out, there was uh, maybe her nightdress or a cloth yeah. across her face. Hence the fact that quite a lot of his paintings yeah. have faces that are covered, um, things like that. I mean, yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's plausible. I mean, we don't know, yeah, of course, yeah. but it's plausible. I must admit, initially, this painting, I was like, oh, you know. Then you start looking at other pieces of his work and it's like, oh, yeah, I really love it. Um, yeah. It's fascinating. And when you get to his bowler hat, the I can't remember the name of that one. What's the um, man? It's not man in a hat, is it? What's the one where he man in a bowler hat? Man in a bowler. I can't remember. I've got it written down. So oh, I've got it written down somewhere. Oh, son of man. That's that. Okay. That then you're starting to get the emotion because the apple is on his face. Mm. Then it's that conflict that we as humans want to know what is behind that apple. Mm. So, same as that. Painting. You know, I'm not convinced that that was the scene, like you say. Mm. He's got to keep peering round. But no one will ever know. So if we were in the exhibition, we would just be standing here for hours, Phil. It's actually very clever, isn't it? Because if if that canvas was facing us straight on... Yeah. You wouldn't have that... Left-hand edge, would you? No. Which is the side of the canvas, which distinguishes between the canvas, the unreal, Mm. and the scene that he can see, which plausibly one could call the real. So I guess that's why the easel has to be at a slight angle like that. But if we were going around one of his... If we were going around an exhibition of his, we would be at a painting for ages, wouldn't we, each one of us? Because we're wanting to always know what is behind... Yeah. Because we're so intrigued. But isn't that the sign of a great painter? If he's got, yeah. if he or she has all these multiple layers. Yeah. I mean, that's why Mary Cassatt is actually so interesting. Because if you don't pay attention, you think it's just mothers and babies. Yes. And we're not so interested in that. Actually, the more you look at it, the more you realise that it's much more than that. Mm. You know, that baby that's plucking an apple. It's not just. Hungry is actually the tree of knowledge, and she's making a point. Or that yeah. big sunflower on the woman's blouse, it's not just a flower just for decoration, it's actually making a statement about the suffragette movement in the United States at the beginning of the 20th century. I mean, again, you can't understand Magritte without understanding 
1920, mm. Belgium, Belgium to some extent, but Paris. Mm. So much going on. And you've got these surrealists really pushing the boat out, really experimenting and doing things which are totally radical. Yeah. So he hooks up with... Um, well, you were mentioning before we started, uh, Andre Breton. Oh yes, they weren't. They weren't. Um, they weren't friends. I think they kind of they tolerated each other, but mainly because I read about this. Actually, it was quite interesting that the French uh, surrealists thought that he was a little bit kind of straight laced, not very hmm. extravagant, and for them. They always wanted to be, you know, really out there. And he's, he kind of got married to one of his childhood sweethearts and, and he didn't really do anything sort of too dramatic. So they, they, but they did, they did get on. But then that brings us on then to, yeah, with Andre Breton. He sort of was the forefront of it all. And then he got involved with Frida Kahlo, who one of her quotes is that she never wanted to be classed mm. as a surrealist. I think, yeah, I think she was misunderstood at times mm. as being a surrealist. And what was the quote you had it about was, her? It um, was, I have it all written down, of course, for me, in about a zillion of my notes, but now I've lost it. Uh, it was a very good quote. It was a great quote. For those that don't know Frida Kahlo, and I, oh, it's back here. I thoroughly That's recommend um, having a watch of our film about Frida Kahlo. That's right. They thought I was a surrealist, but I wasn't. I never painted dreams. Yeah. I painted my own reality. Yeah. Well, that's for sure. Her paintings. Yeah. But then in a way, Magritte painted his a little bit with all the cloths over, uh, you know, a lot of the cloths and the and the and the the fact that his faces were always slightly. See, a, surre- a surrealist would sometimes say that there is no meaning in what I'm just, you know. Sometimes when one when people try to analyse some of the films. Mm then they would say, well, there's no meaning in there. You make, you make your own meaning up. Mm. But I think that you can probably still find meaning even in the random choice of, of images that are within a painting. But someone like Frida Kahlo would say, there's no accidents in my painting. No. Everything is there for a reason, and it's all about my reality, my biography. To me, she is the most... I mean, more than any other painter, her self-portraits, as I've mentioned once before, are from the neck down. So the face doesn't change so much, but all the narrative is is below the neck. Yeah. And she's quite open in a way that really is unprecedented. But I think I'd really like to go to, like, and see Magritte as an exhibition. Yeah. Because I feel that if we were standing there, I could actually say anything I wanted. And then be like, oh, yeah. Laura, also- Laura knows what she's talking about today. Well, you, you no, Laura. Whereas... But I think also with Magritte, I think that if if the exhibition was chronological, mm. and sometimes curators are a bit afraid of doing a, they think oh it's dull to do chronological. Everyone does chronological. Oh, okay. Often, it's actually the best way to do it because mm. an artist does develop chronologically, and historical events happen chronologically. So his art will be influenced by the First World War, by the, yeah. by a depressed and and tumultuous. Europe in the 20s by the Second World War. I think it'd be really interesting to see how his artworks develop over time. But going back to his personality, see, another film I'd recommend people watch is our film on Hieronymus Bosch. 
Now, Bosch's paintings are really out there. Yeah. Again, I wouldn't call them... I mean, they're not real. They are sur- they're above reality, so surreal, if you like. But actually, again, there's meaning in all these terribly strange animals and objects and events that are happening within the paintings. I mean, he is really, really out there. Extraordinary. But as an individual, mm. as far as we can tell, he was quite straight-laced. He was quite oh, conservative, okay. quite religious. Right. Um, and our understanding of Magritte is that, as you said, you know, he, 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 he did marry quite young or relatively young, what, 24, mm. 23, 24. He had a couple of, of hiccups along the way, but stayed with his wife. But again, you know, where's the bowler hat? Yeah. He's a bit like, um, you know, Gilbert and George always wearing oh, their suits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, some artists are just, um, you know, well-dressed, well-mannered, and yet their painting can be absolute flights of fancy. I think we'd have, I think you'd have fun, though, wouldn't you? So if you went round and saw, even with this one, it's, it is fun. Yeah. That me and you were like, oh, well, you know, there could be a window cleaner there or something else, and... Whereas with somebody like I think I was saying about Hopper with Nighthawks, the everything is is actually there. Or saying you're saying about Bosch, I'd have to really clue myself up on those paintings yeah, because there's yeah. major stories behind those. Whereas with this painting, is he just having a little bit of fun with us? I mean, I had to find out about uh, you know Euclidean geometry. Well, I didn't expect that. But the rest of it, and even then I'm like, well, it doesn't really matter, yeah. does it? Because if it's not behind that painting, he could have painted it. It's actually quite fun that he didn't... Well, I, wonder, what... I wonder if he did some sketches where he did do some that he did actually paint something completely random instead think... of painting those towers. That's what he's asking. The tower. That's what he's asking, isn't he? About yeah. The... And also, you know, the, the those curtains. It's like a theatrical yeah. stage... So it's like the curtains have been drawn back and it could be, you know, the, the the canvas could be the backdrop to a stage, you know, stage show. Yeah. So he's saying, well, you know, for all we know, what's on the canvas is real mm. and what's around the canvas oh, yeah. he could have made up. Because yeah. don't forget, we're looking at a painting. <laughs> so it is quite... Um, 100%. He said, um, he says that people often say, said to him, you know, what do these pictures mean? And he would sometimes reply, it doesn't mean anything. You know, it's unknowable. Yeah. I, I, I think that's probably a bit provocative. I think there is meaning there. And whether it's biographical or a meaning that he's, he's bringing to it because he wants to make a point. But it's lovely that it was giving us all those questions because so many artists paint out of a window. Yeah. I mean, there must be absolutely hundreds. But... With this painting, and he did do a couple of others, didn't he, with the canvases? We are just questioning, just questioning the whole thing. Mm. We're so intrigued as to know, and the fact that we don't know where that scene is, uh, he gave it, a, you know, a name of the ancient, you know, Greek mathematician. That sort of throws you completely. It's not like you can even go and find that window and have a look. Whereas a lot of the other works, you could say, oh, well, this is the house that they lived in and this is the painting. And it's a good point, actually. Oh, I mean, if that were Brussels, mm. you'd imagine that, and you know, if a tower like that existed, 
and it looks like it's in a park or to the side of a park with a you know very defined yeah. road. I mean, you think people would have found it. I mean, I haven't come across that. No. Well, I haven't, obviously. It is unlikely, of course, that there would be a a building this high. I mean, this building's higher than the tower. That's pretty unlikely. Oh, well, that's the point. I mean, that makes no sense, does it? No. Not at all. I mean, this this is almost another... Forget the tower. If you look at the buildings across the way, it's almost like this is another three or four or five, six, seven, eight storeys higher. Right. yeah. Uh, or we're on the top of a bluff... But then it seems like a very unlikely type of window. Uh, that, 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 that for sure now. Now you've mentioned the window. And look at those windows over there too. They're all rectangles. Yeah. This is, has a curve to the top of it. The so window looks completely wrong now. Yeah, so now often, you said that. The whole thing's wrong, isn't it? <laughs> but isn't that great? This, this, yeah. is a, this is a white canvas. Yes. Stretched on, on a few bits of board and with a brush and some you know, um, um, oils. He's created something which is multi-layered, confrontational, funny. Yes, full of mystery. Full of mystery. Um, yeah, I mean, just... And, and we could... and every, I wonder how long people do spend in front of this painting discussing, or all of his paintings yeah. then. It could be, is it, that when you go and see one of his exhibitions, it is one of the longest trips around. Yes, you well, could... I hope I hope they do that rather than go. I don't understand that and move on. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And that's what I mean. That, yeah, that, as, I... as ever, that's what we're encouraging people yes. to do: is just have a look. There aren't there aren't any necessarily right or wrong answers. Um, I, I'd say we've. I mean, you've done. I can see from your super notes. Anything else you think? We well, should no, I just out? get right into it always, Phil. I get. Uh, I try. I said to you because I have so many notes that I then can't find what I've read or, or learned. So no, we'll no. have a little scan. No, I can't because I've got so many. And I said to you, I'm going to really try and keep it to three every time I come. Oh, no, that's great. But now I've got my multicolour pens and everything else. But I just think he was just quite fun. Yeah. Whether he would agree with me or not, I don't know. But he was obviously to stand there and think, okay, what am I going to paint today, and where am I going to take everybody? I tell you what is weird about this mm. painting. It's in Minneapolis. Yes. And when I last checked, it's not on view. Oh. And I find that's odd. That yeah. A painting like this isn't on display. So oh. I, hope, I hope in Minneapolis they might change their mind if they ever. We'll contact them and say, we've just done a podcast about your painting. Yeah. Expect <laughs> coach loads of people, of, of pensioners. Yeah. <laughs> and, and others. And other other age groups. And other age, other other age groups do listen to our podcast. Yeah, we, we, no, definitely. And um, that's funny though, isn't it? Because you think get it on that they would have Well, that's the problem with these museums and galleries. Sometimes they have so many paintings that they just can't display them all. I mean, there could be thousands in in uh, in store. I've been a bit judgy here, but I wouldn't have expected in Minneapolis that they would have had. Maybe I need to go there. That's a bit judgy. Any other place we've got to go there, Phil? I mean, the American cities have the most well, amazing Well, yeah, but how you would think if you had to agree that you would have that out. Yeah, I know. Maybe it's a bit confusing. Maybe they've got too many Magritte's. I don't know. And you've not been to Minneapolis? Uh, I've only flown through. What is, the, what, is, what is the nickname for Minneapolis? I don't know. The Big Apple. 
Isn't it the Big Apple? That's New York. Hold That's on. New York. New York. Something to do with Minneapolis. What is an apple? Isn't it? No, the Big Apple's New York. Yeah, that's New York, yeah, okay. But, oh, God, here we go, Phil. You always put me on Look the Look at spot. your notes. There's nothing on my notes about the name of the... No, the I'm looking that up. <laughs> I'm looking that up before we finish. I'm sure there's something to do with... Another apple. In which case, they should definitely have the Magritte out. Oh, I know. And I bet they've got loads of... City of Lakes, Mill City, Twin Cities. Well, there you go. Oh, the Mini Apple. Oh, well, Minneapolis, the Minneapolis. I knew there's something to do with an apple. There we go. So maybe I would absolutely love to go to an exhibition of his. Yeah, me too. And I think it would take a bit of time to get round. Have you, you what, done though. one of one of your films at all on surrealism or um, a surrealist artist? Um, no, we do, were looking at Dali, but then another film was made, and we. Decided oh, not, to, okay. not to pursue ours. But look, I bet no one's made the connection before mm. between Magritte, mm. the importance of apples in yes. his paintings, yes. and the fact that this painting is in yes. Minneapolis, which has the yes. nickname Mini- Minneapolis. There's got to be a Christmas quiz question there somewhere. Oh, yes, let's get that straight. Only you and I will know the answer to it. <laughs> which means we've got to be together on Christmas Day. Well, that'd be no hardship. Podcast. <laughs> as long as you guys are cooking, it'd be, oh, yes. it'd be fantastic. Well, Matt be cooking, of right. right, we're done. That's it. Um, enjoy this that. painting. Mm. Um, do check out, uh, for example, our films on Frida Kahlo and on Hieronymus Bosch. Mary Plenty- Cassatt. Mary Cassatt, although that's not out till for a little while oh, yet. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, and uh, yeah, go to seventh-art.com. Plenty more there. And we'll be back with our next painting of the week soon. Cheerio. Hi, I hope you enjoyed that episode of uh, Painting of the Week. Um, this is uh, season three of uh, the podcast, so I would uh, thoroughly advise, recommend, like, uh, if you would go to have a listen at season one and season two, because there's another 20 in each. Obviously, don't listen to them all. You'll be absolutely sick to death of uh, Laura and I. But um, there's some absolutely beautiful paintings that we talk about, uh, which are worth looking at either, as you know, via the seventh-art.com website, or you can actually also watch them on YouTube where you can hear the podcast and see the painting. Um, So, enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at 7th-art.com or contact us by emailing info at 7th-art.com. See you next time.